Good morning, folks. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 12th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. 100 going up. Going up. How you doing, folks? Episode number 100, Jonathan Ramter on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, dear viewer, for your um, support. Um, it's been a blessing. It's been a journey. Ups and downs, smiles and frowns. I remember when this little podcast was just a uh, gleam in my eye, a little glint in my eye little tadpole in the uh, nutsack of my brain. And here we are now. Um, fucking 100 episodes deep. And um, thank you. Um, I'm just going to keep rocking with it. Happy hallelujah going forward. Thank you. So, if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, um... One thing about me is, uh, part of my story is, I'm an alcoholic. Yep, just like your uncle. And, um, you know, as today is the 100th episode, I have some very exciting news to break. Yes, as of yesterday, November 11th, 2019, I am... Three consistent years sober. Woo! Going up. Yeah. Three years of consistent sobriety. And um, I got the podcast to thank. I got all the great friends, people in recovery that I've met. Um, I'm feeling great. Um, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing some parallels because um, as I went to begin recording this podcast, I tried recording this podcast yesterday, um, November 11th, my three-year anniversary of sobriety. And I was having some technical difficulties. We have a bunch of different little things going on on the podcast, which is a blessing. Um, different camera things, stuff like that. So there were some technical difficulties. And I was feeling kind of anxious all day and, um, you know, a weird sense of anxiousness while being calm at the same time. It was kind of like a dual thing going on. And I had to take a step back and think about it. And um, we have many sayings in recovery. And two of them that are very, um, very simple to grasp, but very effective. These two sayings are easy does it and one day at a time. Yes. So that's the parallel I see with the 100th episode, with my 300, <laughs> with my three years, my 300 years, my three years of sobriety. Um, the parallel is, um, you know, while these are very important, meaningful milestones in my life, in my career, um, I got to remember to take it easy. Easy does it. And one day at a time. And those are just very humbling, wise words that can help anybody in any situation. Even if you are... Um, it's just a good thing to remember in life in general. Easy does it one day at a time. You know? 100 episodes. Three years of sobriety. But you know what? It's a day by day by day process. And I'm very happy and grateful to do it. Um, if you're a person out there and you're suffering and you believe you're an alcoholic, um, perhaps giving a try uh, what I did. Perhaps give what I try I did. What? Shut up. You shut up? Who shut up? I'll shut up. No, I won't. It's my podcast. What the fuck? Now I'm in this stupid little fucking argument with you. See how alcoholics think? 
I don't, I don't even know who the fuck I'm talking to and I'm arguing with you. If you're a person out there and you are in need of recovery, if you feel like you need recovery, maybe give a tr- <laughs> What the fuck am I talking about? Try what I did, all right? Give it a fucking try. Stop judging me. Think I have enough problems in my fucking life? Now you're seeing the real side of me. I'm pissed. I don't give a shit. If I is the 100th episode, I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to fucking lose it. Like, I've been fiddling with these fucking lights and the goddamn cameras all fucking day, all morning. It's been a fucking nightmare. But anyways, 100 episodes. <laughs> to be honest, that's why I'm not so happy. It's just like work upon work upon work. Oh, yay, more work. Anyways, um, <laughs> if you are a person who is out there and you're suffering and you think you might need some recovery, consider doing what I did. Now, what I did was I joined a 12-step program. That's nothing official. This is a um, society of people that meet up um, several days of the week. And you can find a 12-step program in pretty much any city around the world. That's how far the program reaches. Um, if you look it up online, you can find something near you. So these 12-step meetings, it's nothing official. You don't have to give any of your personal information. Nobody's interested in your religious beliefs. It's purely about recovery. And what goes on is these people meet up at these meetings. They practice various steps of recovery. They share on their issues pertaining to their recovery. And then they listen, you know, which is key. You get the opportunity to listen to other people and learn from them about their recovery and what's going on with them. And and in doing so, you become a part of a community. You become a part of a community, and it takes you out of your isolation because alcoholism is a very isolating uh, behavior, condition, affliction. Some people even call it a disease. Medical societies classify alcoholism as a disease. So it's a very... Um, and to my point, um, that's all semantics. I believe in words. I believe in the power of positive thinking. So I have a condition, you know? As long as I do what I do to keep sober, I am in remittance, you know? Disease, hey, to each their own. Medical societies define, some medical societies define alcoholism as a disease. But for me, it's a condition. And uh, either way, it's a very serious uh, circumstance when you're dealing with alcoholism. And to the point, um, within these societies, they meet up, they share, they listen, and they take it easy, and they take it day by day. And after a few days and nights and weeks and months, everything starts to add up. And then you find yourself in a new life. You know what I mean? And um, it's, a, it's a blessing. It truly is. And, um, you know, and I remember when. That's another um, saying in recovery. Remember when. Because I remember when everything I just said, no matter how, that's all, folks. That's another thing that I love doing on the podcast, my little porky pig routine. That's all, folks. I remember when everything I just said didn't make any sense to me. When I couldn't grasp the idea of recovery, it felt so far away. I was turning to all sorts of places for information. Um, one of my favorite was Dr. Phil. I love Dr. Phil. It's a great source of information, but, you know, it. I needed more, you know? And I remember those desperate days. I would rush home from work and I'd crack a beer. And I'd chug it. Smoking weed. 
you know, chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> now turn on Dr. Phil. Bzz. Save me, Dr. Phil, save me. Dr. Phil would be up there. You know what your fucking problem is? You got a bad fucking attitude. You got a bad attitude, buddy. You got fucking bad attitude, no accountability, no responsibility. Your life's a fucking mess. You're in turmoil. I'm like, I'm sorry, Dr. Phil, save me, save me. You know? I tried as I might. Dr. Phil just wasn't cutting it. Um, and I love Dr. Phil. It's a great source of information. But I needed more. And um, I remember when all these things just weren't making sense to me because I was fully in my alcoholism. And alcoholism can be defined as a two-part condition. A lot of people define it as a two-part condition. Number one, I have an allergic reaction to alcohol if i take a drink of alcohol i'll break out into a craving and i can't safely say when i'll stop there's no point in me stopping why would i stop once i've begun drinking the eternal question of the alcoholic you know <laughs> one is too many and a thousand is never enough that's alcoholism and um, the second part of that condition is the mental obsession. When you are in full-on alcoholism, you are mentally obsessed with it. It's your main concern. It's your main thought. How can you get drunk? When are you going to get drunk? Should you get drunk? If you get drunk? Who, what, where, when, why? Drunk? It's all about getting drunk. You know, it's fucking carnival season, you know? The fucking clowns are coming out to play. The clowns have gone out to pasture, man. You are mentally obsessed. And but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, I've been alleviated from that uh, turmoil because, you know, it seems so distant. It seems so distant sitting at three years of sobriety to just be like, oh yeah, I used to be mentally obsessed with alcohol. It just flows out of my mouth like nothing. But I remember when that was my reality. Standing outside a liquor store at 9.30, waiting for it to open, 9.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Where, where's the fucking liquor store clerk? Where's that fucking idiot? He's always late. Where the fuck is that moron? I want my fucking booze now. You know? Whatever. Eh, my way, right? It's always my way. Uh, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my way, my way, my way. Mentally obsessed. Alcohol. Need it right now. Baby wants his bottle. You fucking bottle baby, you lush. You low down, shiftless, rotten, spineless, good for nothing. That's the shit I would say to myself, staring in the mirror. You fucking rotten, shiftless, spineless, good for nothing, hole in the wall, bubble guppy bottle baby. Huh? You fucking lush. You know, mentally obsessed. Talking to yourself. <laughs> mumbling to yourself. I used to mumble like a motherfucker. I was just another one of those mumblers of the world, walking around. Mumbling, get to mumbling, right? And uh, But for the grace of God, I've been alleviated from that two-part condition. The allergic reaction slash craving and the mental obsession of alcoholism. But for the grace of God, I've been alleviated from that. And, um, you know... I highly recommend to anybody out there suffering, do give it a try. It worked for me, and if it can work for me, it can work for anybody, you know? Um, and that's the whole point of 12-step recovery is the human-to-human -human contact with um, your condition, right? One alcoholic helping another alcoholic. One addict helping another addict. Um, it's fellowship and it works. And um, it brings you out of that isolation. And um, 
but for the grace of God, I have three years of sobriety. Um, another remember when, because I mean, you know, you got, that's why it's so important. Remember when, because, you know, it's so easy to forget. And if you forget where you're from, how do you know where you're going? Some people might say that, and I believe that to an extent myself. So if you can't remember what happened, how do you know what you're going to do? Or if you can't remember where you've been, how do you know where you're going, right? And another remember when for me was I was sitting, I was sitting at Starbucks the other day having a coffee. This was like last Sunday, like three days ago. And um, well, I guess two days ago. And, you know... I'm sitting there having my coffee and I'm looking out the window and there's this man child. Y'all know what a man child is? That fucking person that's like, you know, pushing late 40s, early 50s, whatever. And just they just haven't grown up. That real fucking teenager look to them, real stupid, disheveled. This clown, he's got this fucking... Um, bleach blonde mop he's got this fucking bleach blonde hair he's got like these rock star glasses like fucking elton john rocket man glasses he's wearing like a sports jersey and he's got one of those novelty bags you know supreme that name brand supreme where they make all those um novelty items those overpriced novelty items like oh a hundred dollar uh coffee cup you know, thermos mug, a hundred dollars supreme coffee mug. I'll buy one. Ah. So he had one of those stupid novelty um, supreme pack sacks. He's got this fucking supreme pack sack. And he slumped at a fucking bus stop bench. This fucking 45 plus year old man child. All guzzied up in his stupid little fucking wardrobe. And I'm looking at him. And he reaches into his pack sack, pulls out a bottle of rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Pulls out a bottle of rubbing alcohol, twists the top. Look, 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 look. Ah, yeah. 45 plus year old man child drinking fucking rubbing alcohol at a bus stop. And but for the grace of God, I was, I've been alleviated from that reality. And I've been a clown. I've been a man-child. You know, no judgment. But it's just a sad, sorrowful sight to see a motherfucker drinking rubbing alcohol. You know the shit that, Mommy, I got a boo-boo, Mommy. The shit people rub on their arms? Fucking rubbing alcohol. That's like supreme alcoholism. And, um, anyways, that's what the dude was doing. And that's a major remember when for me. Because, you know, but for the grace of God, I was alleviated. I just was lucky to, you know, I drank for a long time. From the age of 14 to 30. And luckily, I was able to clean it up before it got to that point. Because it's a condition of... Um, what do you call it? Degenerative? Derenative? You degenerate, basically. You're a degenerate. You're a miscreant. You're gen- you're, I said, your revolution's over, Lebowski. I suggest you do what your father did. Get a job. You hear me, Lebowski? <laughs> your revolution's over, Lebowski. Your revolution's over, man. It's a degenerative degenerative it's a it's a fucking spiritual mental breakdown you are degenerating and you are degenerate and um it's just a matter of time um so but for the grace of god i was alleviated from that horse shit and um you know my heart goes out to that man child because i've definitely been there but um yo i'm just rocking with what i got today Easy does it, one day at a time. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, 
three years of sobriety, alcoholic. I am also a an actor extraordinaire. And um, one very fetching thing about being an actor is, um, you know, to keep yourself inspired, it's always great to just watch things that inspire you. Films, whatever, diddly-dum, diddly-do. I got the opportunity recently to watch a very interesting film on Netflix. Um, My name is Dolomite. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Um, Eddie Murphy. Uh, classic Eddie Murphy. Love the guy. He's back in action. He's on Netflix. He's got that film. It came out like maybe a month ago or three weeks ago or something. But um, My Name is Dolomite. It's a film about this um, comedian slash actor slash dancer slash filmmaker, um, Rudy Ray Moore. And... Um, Back in like the 70s, uh, you know, he came up in that black exploitation era of filmmaking, you know, like Shaft, you goddamn right, you know, that type of era of stuff. And he made his own br- blueprint or he made his own, um, what do you call it, uh, his own mark with um, Dolomite. He had this character called Dolomite, you know, my name is Dolomite. And it's just a real down-to-earth, inspiring story of this dude who just kind of scrimped and struggled and grinded away to get a career for himself, right? And um, just the innovation, um, you know, in, I guess, the... Well, yeah, the innovation that he had to find within because we all need a little innovation, don't we? To fucking flush out the uh, works of art within you, within all of us, right? So there was a lot of innovation in him, you know? Like, he he wouldn't take no for an answer, this Rudy Ray Moore. Like, you know, doors were always getting slammed in his face, and he had to be innovative. He had to find ways around the, around the situation. And it was such an inspiring film. And Eddie Murphy, always, always Eddie Murphy, man. The man's a legend. Um, I love him from his fucking uh, clump days. The Nutty Professor. I was a chubby little black kid. And I remember watching The Nutty Professor and I used to love it. Oh, Miss Purdy. Uh, well, I hope uh, you go go to the movies with me this Friday, Miss Purdy. Yes, Sherman. I'd love to. Really, Miss Purdy? You go to the movies with me? I got a date. Friday night at 8. And I will not be late. Sherman, Sherman, Sherman. That's my baby. I'm Grandma Clump. Your grandfather, Sherman, used to... He was a powerful black man, Sherman. And he used to get up behind me and give it to me good, Sherman. And these titties would be bouncing and this pussy would get wet, Sherman. That's my baby. Sherman, Sherman, Sherman. Father Clump, what's going on here? Did I hear something? Somebody step on a mouse? Yeah. The Nutty Professor, man. Eddie Murphy's the man. You know, and uh, fuck. My name is Dolomite. Definitely check it out if you want some, if you want to see Eddie Murphy um, as you've always seen him. Funny, um, alive, happening. Just fucking Eddie Murphy, man. Come on. Come on. Says enough, right? And, um, you know, I found it a very inspiring, fun film to watch. And um, that's very important as an actor to, um, you know, keep yourself motivated, you know? So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. I am also a janitor. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. I'm talking mop buckets, slop buckets, um, garbage buckets. I'm talking urinals, toilets, parking lots. I'm talking the whole kit and caboodle, ladies and gentlemen. I push a little mop bucket. I dump the, I dip the mop in the mop water. I mop the floor. You know, Um, I wash windows. 
you know, um, push a garbage trolley, and it's blessed. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Pays my bills, covers my overhead. Um, as an actor, you have many expenses. Um, one of the main ones is just, um, uh, just like everybody else, like a, like a normal human being. You got to cover your expenses. Home. A home for yourself, food, clothing, those are vital, man. Because when you've been living that fucking struggling artist uh, lifestyle, it can take a toll. It can take a toll upon you. And, um, you know, the best thing to do is to learn how to work smarter, not harder. And you get those scrapes and scratches along the road, but, you know, once you have... A home base. Once you have, that sounds like it's such a faraway dream. But it is for a lot of struggling artists. And I've lived that life. Bouncing around men's shelters. um, Precarious living circumstances. And once you have a home for yourself. You got a home base where you can set up. And stay focused and stay creative. That can open you up to a world of opportunity because now you're in business. Now you're stable. And, um, you know, that's what this janitorial hustle affords me. And um, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. And I'm just very blessed to do so at the moment with it, not thinking too much about it. But there are some funny things that pop up. uh, If you're aware of the show, there's always some little shenanigan going on in the janitorial trade. Let me tell you about it. So um, the latest thing is um, there's a bit of a game of cat and mouse going on at my workplace where people are hiding equipment on each other. So stupid, man. It's like people are like stockpiling their fucking brooms and their mops, their fucking dish rags. You can't find any equipment. So you go to work and your mo- and your boss would be like, all right, we need you to go mop the foyer. Well, I don't know where the mop is. What do you mean you don't know where the mop is? I don't fucking know where the mop is. The night crew, right? I work on the day shift. The night crew, they've been hiding their fucking um, mops and buckets and it's just a fucking childish mess, bro. It's just a fucking child's game. So I'm playing fucking hide-and-go-seek with mop buckets, slop buckets all fucking day. You know, looking for just the equipment to do my job. But, you know, whatever, man. It's just funny. It's funny that, you know, people create themselves this little slice of hell. They create a little slice of hell for themselves. Where it's like... They get so involved with a job to the point in which they're stockpiling the equipment. This is my everything. This is my broom. No, you can't use my broom. It's my broom. They, they, they take the brooms. They hide them. They even put their names on them. It's like, you're out to fucking lunch, bro. We're co-workers. What do you mean that's your exclusive broom? You're a janitor. I'm a janitor. Why can't I use that fucking broom? It's my broom. It's my stapler, my stapler, my stapler. Like that fucking mental guy from Office Space. These people are fucking mental. Hiding brooms, hiding slop buckets, mop buckets. Hey, whatever, man. It's all in a day's work. Who gives a bumba clot, blood clot fuck? Like I said, pays the bills, keeps me in the game of performing. Yeah. And, um, you know, another funny fucking thing that's been happening too as a janitor um, I've been having to vacuum quite a bit lately, and that's always a headache too, because it's like, where's the vacuum? Who hid the vacuum? No, no, you saw, it's my vacuum. It's my vacuum cleaner. I use the vacuum. I keep the vacuum in my place. It's my vacuum. Listen, you fucking nitwit. It's not your vacuum. It's both of our vacuums. We share the vacuum. We're co-workers. No, no, it's my vacuum. I keep my vacuum. 
So, like, I've been getting all these service calls to vacuum lately, but where's the motherfucking bumba clot blood clot fucking vacuum? I don't know where the fuck it is, right? So I'm searching high and low for fucking vacuums all fucking day. Finally, I find a vacuum, right? And it's like, um, I guess it's a very innovative product. It's like a backpack vacuum. Like, the whole unit has, like, pack sack, back sack, back sack straps, you know? So it's like a pack sack. So you put this fucking, you, you hump this fucking pack sack vacuum on your back. And then you can like, you know, climb stairs and vacuum, right? So I'm fucking legging it. I'm fucking humping it up the stairs with this pack sack vacuum cleaner. I've got this fucking vacuum cleaner on my back. <laughs> fucking vacuuming staircases. I got a fucking never ending, um, lineup of morons popping up behind me oh my god that looks like ghostbusters you look like ghostbusters right now doesn't he look like ghostbusters got a fucking pack sack vacuum cleaner on my back oh my god he looks like ghostbusters did anybody ever tell you you look like ghostbusters it's like yo just say what it is i look like a fucking retard all right can't I just get through the fucking day without people hiding my vacuum, commenting on how I vacuum? <laughs> but hey, yo, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Keeps me in the game of um, performing. And it keeps me sober, too, because as I mentioned, um, you know, as a alcoholic, you know, the circus is always in town. So, you know, you never know when a couple clowns, a couple tightrope acts might start, like, drifting around in your head, right? And idle hands are the devil's playground, <laughs> right? So, like, you know, when you're twiddling your thumbs in twiddly D, that's when all the negativity, the stupid thoughts, the, the ego, that's when all that shit creeps in, right? So being a janitor keeps me in check, keeps me... um focused on the task at hand gets me through the day making an income hallelujah so there you have it Jonathan Ramcharan janitor and last of all I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire 10 years of service um, coming into my 11th year pretty soon and um, you know what I'm trying to take some of um, everything I learn in life and apply it to every area of my life. And, um, you know, easy does it one day at a time. I've made a lot of steps in my performing career as a stand-up comedian, producing shows, the podcast, getting on stage. It's not always the easiest, um, but hey, that, that's like any career. There's bumps, there's hiccups par for the course and one thing I'm trying to remember is to um, smile have fun like I'm a fucking stand up comedian I got the ability to do stand up comedy which is one of the funnest entertaining things on planet earth a great stand up comedian not to say that I am but think about it like think about all your favorite stand up comedians like what a blessing it is to have these people what a blessing it is to enjoy stand-up comedy. And as a comic myself, what a blessing it is to do it. I can appreciate watching it. And obviously, I appreciate doing it. So, why so serious? You know, I've been getting a little glum lately, I noticed. You ever get glum? I had a little bit of a glum streak, you know, I was getting all serious, I'm thinking about comedy and, you know, writing jokes and how to get from here to there and diddly-da, diddly-do, it's like, what are you so glum for? There's all this glum shit that you've been popping off with, stop, stop with the glum, you know, cut out the glum, I'm sick of being so goddamn glum, you know, it's stupid. I had a joke where I was, um, you know, this is an old joke that I was working on, it's like, yeah, sure, we have to respect old people. Oh, obviously. Oh, maybe you don't. Kick them in the back. Who cares? But ideally, we should respect old people. But, you know, does that apply to animals? 
You ever come in contact with like an old animal? Like they got some weird fucking wisdom to them as well, where it's like you have to respect their age. Like, as I mentioned, I'm a janitor plugging in vacuum cleaners, this, that, and the other. And for some reason, there was a dog in the building, right? Somebody's dog was in the building. I don't know what it was doing there. But anyway, somebody brought their dog to work. I don't know, whatever, their service animal. But it was an old-ass dog, right? So I was about to plug this vacuum, vacuum cleaner in, right? And this dog, it was just sitting there, motionless. And as I'm about to plug in this vacuum cleaner... This old dog, right, he creaks up, he creaks up, he comes back to life, right? He's just like, I was like, what's this fucking glum dog? Is he fucking staring at me? He's just like, okay, fuck, fine. So I, I, I unplugged the vacuum cleaner, right? And he's just staring at me, this dog. I'm like, did I just get fucking... I'm like, what are you fucking starting shit with? I thought you were supposed to be man's best friend. <laughs> but like, um, it just gets me thinking about that idea of like, you know, when you get cranky and old and glum, like, what the fuck, you know? Have a little damn fun. So, you know, that fucking dog really reminded me of that. I'm like, it's so fucking glum. I fucking look on his face. Fucking old ass dog. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I got heckled too. That's always nice to get heckled when you're not on stage. Uh, my neighbor, I guess he knows that I'm a comic, uh, bumps into me in the elevator. So, you still doing comedy? I'm like, yeah. Oh, you have any funny jokes? I'm like, yeah. I talk about like transvestites, things like that. He just stares at me. Well, you know, laughter is the best medicine. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, getting heckled in elevators, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, whatever. I try my best. And, um, <laughs> you know, I've learned a lot and I still got a lot to learn. And um, just rocking with that as well. Easy does it one day at a time. So those are the four things that sum me up at the moment, ladies and gentlemen, on this 100th episode Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic, actor, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, who welcome to the show? Almost fucking smacked myself with this microphone. You saw it, right? You see everything now that I'm on camera. It's great. It's fun. Hallelujah. Um. Oh yeah. So um. This was in the uh, news. Um, well, actually, it's old news now because, like I said, um, it's been a bit of a day-to-day thing going on with this new format. So I had I had a news story I was going to talk about, but it's kind of old news now. It happened yesterday, so fuck it. We're moving on to today. And, uh, yeah, um, as I mentioned the actor thing... Um, I recently had the opportunity to um, take some improv classes. Now, like I mentioned, I am an actor extraordinaire, 18 years of service, stand-up comedian extraordinaire, 10 years of service. And um, I felt like it was time to brush up and, um, I don't know, just try something different, throw something else into the mix. So I had this great opportunity to um, take an improv class this past weekend and uh you know it was fun it was fun and um you know I don't know though I always I always I always find a way of um I don't always I mean I guess my hopes were high and my attitude was high I went in with like a good attitude and my expectations were high I really wanted to find a new outlet, find a new group of people to work with. It didn't really quite happen that way. But I'm still grateful for the experience. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever taken an improv class, but um, 
you know, this was really an introduction. Everybody in the class was fairly new to it. I mean, I've I've done it a lot over the years. I've even been in improvise, improv troops, sketch troops. I ain't no fucking, you know, hey, I have experience. Whether I'm talented or not, that's up to other people to decide. But I have experience, right? So I've done this stuff before. But it was a nice refresher. It was fun. And a lot of it was like, um, like, like memory exercises, you know, like exercises to engage your memory as an actor, as an improviser, your impulses, right? Um, to follow an impulse, to make a decision, to just, you know, be in the moment, basically. So there was a lot of um, things like that. Like, for example, there was one game where it's like... Um, you got to make eye contact with a partner, right? And um, they might, like, send an energy wave at you, right? Like, fuck off. You know, they might be like, clap at you or some shit, right? And um, then you have to, you make eye contact with them and you receive the clap and then <laughs> you get the clap. Then you clap it off to somebody else, right? So it's like sending these energy waves around and it's about concentration and, you know, being present and these games kind of um they go they get larger and larger into the point in which now we're adding characters where it's like um you know somebody might go stand in the middle of a circle you know the the class is in a circle so somebody jumps in the middle of the circle and i'm a tree and they enact being a tree and then somebody else comes into the scene I'm a bird on the branch. <laughs> and, you know, and then somebody else comes into the scene. I'm a poacher. Or whatever, right? So, it was fun. It was like um, kind of introductory introduction to like improv, theater games. It was fun. It was a refresher. Um my hope was to kind of meet people a little bit more um, experienced. And I don't know, I just not even that. Well, that was part of it. But I was also hoping to, I don't know, feel something. <laughs> it just didn't feel right for me. I just, you know, I just, I don't know. It was, I'm glad I went out and I did it, but it didn't really feel like something that I'm going to continue to do. Let's put it that way. But man, I was very thankful for the teacher. The teacher was one of them thoroughbred fucking theater geeks. God bless the theater geek. She was just very positive and very, okay guys, we're going to play a game and I'm going to send you some energy waves. And then you catch the wave and you send it back to your partner. And yeah, yeah. Oh, look, I'm pretending like I'm swimming. Like just real fucking theater geek. She was a thespian to the hilt, right? And I'm just looking at her, right? I'm like, God bless the theater geek. Because, you know, as I mentioned, you know, three years of sobriety, hell and back with the alcoholism, um, 100 episodes, experience up the wazoo, but also a lot of growth that I need to acquire. And through all these travels, you know, you can become a little cynical, you know, the belief that people are motivated by self-interest. You can become a little bit jaded. And there's that little part of me that I, I think, you know, that that little part of me that just doesn't want to do that anymore, to take that risk to play. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I get silly and I play on the podcast and I goof off a bit. But, like, I don't know. Like, the way this theater person was, man. Just straight up theater geek. This teacher. And God bless her, man. Because, you know, she was really inspiring in that... That spirit, that willingness to just dive in and um, take a risk at being silly and funny and goofy and all that shit... Like, um, you know, it's it's not always the easiest to do as an actor. And it's just a very, 
it's just a loving spirit that you don't really come into contact with that often. And she even mentioned that in the class. She said something like, okay, we'll get the opportunity today to do some things that uh, we don't often get to do. And And I really enjoyed her her energy. Because um, if you know anything about me, if you're new to the show, like I, dude, I get peeved and cheesed off by anything, man. And I can sniff an egotist. I can sniff arrogance a mile away because I've lived it. I've been arrogant, I've been egotistical, I've been all those things. And making these new steps forward in my life, in my career, it's like trying to break free the ego, trying to let go and have a little bit more fun, right? And it was refreshing to see this teacher, right? And, you know, you know, because like, that's not me. At times, you know, I can get very cagey. Maybe that's from being a stand-up because, you know, it's a very precarious situation as a stand-up comedian. You leap out on a branch and you try to be funny and you hope to God it hits. And it could put you at a bit of a, you know, uh, and, um, you know, there was this moment in the class where um, I had a scene partner and the the task was to basically go introduce your scene partner. Very straightforward, right? Hi, this is my scene partner, so-and-so. Their favorite food is ice cream. Their favorite television show is Winnie the Pooh. Whatever the fuck, right? That's as simple as it was. So, you know, you partner up with somebody. You ask them a few questions. You introduce them to the class. My partner, she was the most arrogant, fucking babble mouth, bubble mumble fucking idiot I've met in a long time. I could smell it a mile away, the arrogance, the stupidity, right? Because like before the class, you know, we're, we're seated outside the room. And I see her, right? And she's walking up to everybody. Is this your first time here? Oh, this is my first time doing improv. Yeah, why I'm here? Why am I here? Oh, I mean, everybody just thinks I'm funny. I'm just one of those people who are just naturally funny. I'm very funny. And I'm like, oh my God. This fucking arrogant blabber, blabbermouth, fucking arrogant rookie. And of course, I get fucking bundled up, partnered up with her. So we're doing the thing, right? And, um, you know, she's introducing me. She forgets my name. She calls me Chris, <laughs> which I didn't give a shit about. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, whatever. We're new. We're just meeting each other. We're doing this exercise. She goes, so my partner, Chris, everybody starts laughing because at this point, we've already played a few warm up games. So we all kind of know each other's name to a certain extent. So the class already knew that my name was Jonathan, John, I go by, right? And she goes, oh, my partner, Chris, and everybody starts laughing. Like, no, his name's John, Jonathan. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, anyways, I mean, me, 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 her fucking little ego fucking thing. And it's not like this offends me or bothers me, but it's like I just try to stay away from these type of people because they're such time sucks. They're such energy vampires, right? I've had a lifetime of these type of people, man. And like, especially being in in performing, you would know what I mean. Or just even in your day-to-day life, if you got that coworker that's just so like, it's my way or the highway, me, 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 all fucking day, right? It's just like, oh God, right? So then I go to do my introduction of her, right? And I'm like, this is my partner, Amy. Uh, She... Grew up in Hong Kong. And then she goes, No, I didn't. I grew up in mainland China. Throws me completely under the bus. Throws me completely under the bus. And I had a moment where I stood back and I was just looking at her. And I was like, What if I just snapped and roasted her? Like, listen, you Grumpy, dumpy, fucking polka dot dress having, glasses having, chubby little fucking miscreant. Do you think I fucking care what your fucking origin of birth is? I don't give a flying fuck about you. You are a swarmy, arrogant hack. Fucking drop dead.
dead. You know, I, I, you know, like that. The fucking comedian in me was just like, roast this bitch, set her ass on fire, and I had to like stomach it, right? I had to like stomach it, right? I'm just like, I took a second, took a breather, and then I just continued. Yeah, this is my partner, Amy. Um, yeah, I guess she's from mainland China. Sorry. Made a little mistake. Uh, I didn't say that. I just kind of continued. I'm like, she's actually from mainland China. Uh, her favorite TV show is blah, 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 diddly doo, diddly doo. And I just went on with the exercise. And, you know, I got a good feedback. It's not, you know, it's not like... I recovered well. I went, I got through it. Right, I got through it, and I didn't lose my temper. And the reason why I find that so, um, why I'm kind of proud of myself for that is because I had that impetus. I had the ego, as I talked about her, and people with ego. I had the ego to make it about me in that moment, to show what I can do. Lose my temper, roast this woman, and storm out of the room like as if I don't need this fucking room and fuck you people right like you know make it about me you know like I felt momentarily um I felt my ego get a bit of a slap in the face you know getting scolded in front of the class no you did it wrong and I was gonna lose my temper and be a comedian and just roast her you know and then I was like well no that's gonna put a negative vibe on the class and it's going to be a disrespect to the teacher who's been doing such a great job running the thing. And it's just an ego trip. Let it go because this person is an idiot. And whatever. This is just... It's it's whatever. Just deal with it. And I took a step back. And I held it together. And, you know, I was thinking about that. And I was pretty proud because it's like... You know, coming forward, going forward in my career, um, if you're new to the show, there's been many instances in the past where I've been a younger performer, a more inexperienced performer, and I would be arrogant, obnoxious, rude, all those things. And I just figured, like, don't make this about you. Make it about... Um, serving the show serving the class don't lose your temper don't make it awkward for everybody because it would have been awkward if i just flipped out you fucking chubby polka dot having glasses having fucking hack just freak out on her and leave the class it would have just put an ugly vibe out for everybody right and going forward in my life in my career that's what i'm trying to be more accountable and knowing when to drop the hammer on a situation because sometimes you got to drop that hammer and, uh, you know, lay the smack down on a motherfucker if they're like, you know, fucking with you. But you got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to run away, know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be plenty enough time for counting when the dealing's done, right? So I learned that and I was proud of that. And, you know, but I'm always dealing with, um, you know, ego. And that's a theme that is major in my performing, in my life, and in my recovery. The ego. That's important for everybody across the board. One thing that we come to learn in recovery, and one thing you start to learn as a performer if you want to get ahead in anything, you got to check the ego, the self-importance. This is a cynical world. The definition, the definition being cynicism, the belief that people are motivated by self-interest, which is ego, self-importance. And, you know, a healthy amount is a healthy amount, but... We live in a world that's dominated by self-importance, self-ego, self-centeredness, self-interest. And in my recovery and in my performing life, 
it's major that I learn how to balance those things because when they get out of control, that's when the problems start. And um, like, for example, like um, that night after the, after the, um, after I went to the improv class, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll treat myself to um, a pizza. Yeah. Let me go get a medium thin crust thin crust. Let me go get a medium thin crust pizza. So I dip over to um, the pizza store. And um, as I go into the pizza shop to pick up my pizza that I had ordered for pickup, as I go, there's this young lady standing directly in front of the entrance. So I look at her and I smile and I go, hi. She doesn't clue in. She's like, and she like shifts like an inch, quarter inch, quarter inch shuffle. She fucking moves over a quarter inch, right? So I got to squeeze past her to get into the fucking door. It's like, why would you stand in front of a fucking busy pizza parlor door? People are coming and going out of this pizza parlor like a fucking gangbusters. And she's standing in front of the fucking door. Makes no sense to me. Ego. The self-importance. Why are people in my way? Why should, why should I have to um, step back from the situation when it's me that's in the right? Why is she standing in my way? Well, she's doing whatever the fuck she's doing. Who knows why the fuck she's doing it? Right? I get my pizza. As I'm leaving the pizza parlor, there's that fucking idiot again. She's standing directly in front of the door. Directly in front of it. If I was to open the door, I would have smacked her in the ass, right? So I knock on the door, right? Uh, and I'm waving at her through the glass. I'm like... And then she moves another quarter inch this point I kind of lose it I just open the door and I go excuse me and I just like really obnoxiously excuse me and I just like brush past her and I'm walking off and I'm just straight up muttering I'm a fucking mumbler I'm just mumbling I'm like who the fuck stands in front of a busy pizza parlor door? She's either completely oblivious or she's deliberately fucking with me. It was like that, bro. Her self-importance, her ego of standing in front of the door. Why people are like that, I can ask a million fucking years, I'll never get an answer. It's just the complicated nature of the human being. And that is why it is so vital that I maintain my ego check i don't want to be mumbling around downtown in the darkness carrying a medium thin sliced slim thin crust pizza mumbling to myself you know and you know it really got me thinking you know that's how quickly an ego trip can spin you for the worst but for the better, I pulled myself out of that. I mean, I don't really get angry. I mean, anger is debatable, but I get annoyed fairly easily. I never get angry to the point of I'm going to yell or make a, a violent episode or whatever. But I get annoyed where it's like I roll my eyes and I scoff. Ugh, shit like that. But it really got me thinking. Ego. You know, hey, man, what's so important about me? I'm just buying a pizza. She wants to stand in front of the door? She wants to act like an idiot? That's her. Whatever the fuck that is. I'll just knock on the door. Excuse me, miss. I gotta leave. I wanna go eat my pizza and just walk on past. And you know what? Sitting here, episode 100, three years of sobriety. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very thankful, blessed, and happy to have you on this episode. And continuing going forward, I'm just gonna keep rocking it, living it, loving it, realizing it. Thank you so much. My ego is better today.
Thanks to the show and uh, thanks to this three years of sobriety. Hallelujah. It's your old Tucker buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtram, reporting live for duty on this magnificent November 12th in the year of our Lord, 2019. 100 episodes have come and gone. Thank you very much. Moving forward, as always, trying to keep it real. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms, please do hit me up. jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. That's jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. Aight? Peace. 100! Oh, my God.